Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome on into another episode of Helmets Off. Scott Mitchell, your host here. International Women's Day uh, recently uh, happened. And uh, in honor of women, who I have great respect and honor for, uh, had tremendous uh, women in my life uh, who have meant a lot to me. Of course, I have three daughters. I have a mother. And I also have people that are friends and people that I work with that I think a tremendous amount of. Of course, my producer and friend Madison is uh, one of my favorite people of all time in the world. And so um, I love women and uh, I have a lot of great women who have been in my life. I was asked the question, which is a great question. Who do you think is your favorite woman in sports of all time? And I'm like, wow, what a great question. And then I was like, oh, who is it? And and I thought a lot about it. Uh, like, some, you know, some of the people who, uh, you know, you you've uh, you've thought of through through the years. And uh, there there's some great tennis players, Chris Everett, Lloyd, um, even like Billie Jean King. And uh, um, there, you know, some of the the more recent Steffi Graf was always a favorite of mine. Maria Sharapova was was a favorite. Uh, Martina Navratilova was uh, was one in tennis. A uh, lot lot of lot, a lot of basketball players, uh, but and, and some and some uh, some soccer players. I think of Mia Hamm. Some uh, some of those people, but but when I really thought about it, and I don't even know why, but uh, my favorite is actually a professional golfer. And and I'll bet if I gave you ten guesses, you couldn't guess who it is. But I'm gonna not have you do that because that would be hard to do. My favorite female athlete of all time is Annika Sorenstam, and she was uh, she was a great PGA uh, LPGA Tour player. She was uh, the Player of the Year, number one ranked player in in women's golf for years, and she there. There's a, a few things as to why why she was so good, and uh, uh, the one thing that really stood out, or one of the things, because I, I there's several I want to talk about, but one thing that I loved about her was how she had this quiet confidence. Like she just, it, it was like she knew something that everyone else didn't know, and she didn't let anyone know about it. And, and and there was this there was this aura about her that she just 
she just had this quiet confidence that, um, like, she was just always going to win. She was always in control. She always was like, I got this. And she usually did. I mean, she dominated the L- LPGA Tour for years. And so I loved I loved that 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 kind of quiet confidence and and yet she had this wry sense of humor about herself and about her sport and she wasn't afraid to like you know kind of tell you um I, I i don't know that necessarily was a trash talker but she was kind of in in a in a very self-deprecating way that uh, a, a a trash talker but she was um she was someone who didn't back down from anyone so she played against the boys and and she just felt like she was as good as anyone there was a there was an event uh she lived in Orlando Florida which is I lived there for 10 years and they had this event called the Tavistock Cup which they show on the golf channel and it's kind of a fun little event where they have two private golf clubs Lake Nona and Isleworth and the PGA and LPGA players who live in those communities have a friendly little match against each other. And they do, it's kind of, it's a, it's a different type of format they have. Uh, so it's kind of a private event and one that you kind of have to know somebody if you're going to get in. You're either a member of one of the clubs or you're a friend of a member of one of the clubs. And believe it or not, folks, I have friends, and I have friends who are members of these clubs, and I always got tickets to go. The cool thing about it is you walk the course with with the players. So you're right there as they're discussing the shot. You know, you're they have ropes, and so they, they kind of keep you away, but you're you're three or four feet away from Tiger Woods' bag, and you're you're listening in on the conversation that he and his caddy are having about how they're going to hit the next shot and what's happening. So you're you're literally walking the course with your favorite player. And and really at the time it was some of the who's who of golf. I mean Tiger Woods was on one team, Ernie Els, uh some of these, you know, Ian Poulter, what you know, Graham McDowell, uh a lot of guys and and females. I mean Annika was played as well. So I was following Annika Sorenstam and she um she actually hit a shot so i was ahead of her she hit this shot and the ball rolled right next to my feet like i mean i was right there and so i just stood there right so here comes annika and she's kind of and i look down at the golf ball and this was the coolest part to me this is why she's my favorite of all time i look down at the golf ball and it says 59 that was the number on the golf ball. And I'm like, how cool is that, right? And if any, if you don't know what I'm talking about here, you, you don't know golf. But if you know golf, you'll understand what 59 means. So 59 is a score. And, and it's typically the lowest score anyone's ever shot in golf. Very few people have actually done it in a tournament. And to be able to do it is remarkable. Well, guess who's done it? Annika Sorenstam. And she's one of very few people in the entire world that have ever done this. And I don't care if it's men's, women's, juniors, infants, 
whatever whatever tee box, whatever round of golf, she shot a 59. And that is that's immortal. That's amazing. But what was most amazing to me was it was on her golf ball. It was right there imprinted. Boom. 59 on a consortium stem. And that moment right there, I was just like, this woman has got it together. And the ball was kind of in the rough. And she goes, huh, this looks like this will be an interesting shot. And then she hits the ball up to like two feet with a birdie. And it was just like, just really cool. So I love how she dominated her sport. I love how she did feats that nobody really had ever done. I love how she she really she really catapulted women's golf at the time into a into a very uh, public eye. She was a great ambassador for the game and just a great individual. You just just you just appreciated her demeanor and how she handled and how she really uh, um, handled herself and took care of things. So my hats off to International Women's Day and all the women in the world and 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 even the women in the world of sports. And so there you have it. That's my my favorite all-time female athlete, Monica Sorenstam. We'll take a break, come back, and uh, this whole coronavirus thing, it's like, I don't know, should the, should the fans, should they be in the stands? And if the fans were in the stands, would, uh, would a player want to play? I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. article came out and it was talking about this whole coronavirus thing and you can go into the numbers and and are, are we are we in this panic mode uh it's something that i don't think we know a lot about uh so people are are overly sensitive people have got it mostly it's it's been um elderly people that have con- contracted it uh it's been basically pretty much in every Every state in the country, multiple countries across the world, uh, it's it's shut down considerable uh, travel destinations, certain airplanes. It's had an impact on the financial markets. Uh, cruise ships have have been quarantined. Have uh, people have lost vacations over it? There's even discussion at my work, which is a broadcasting company, uh, whether. They should even have skeletal crews and people should work from home or the possibility that that might happen. My sister works at Nike. She was just uh, sent to uh, the Netherlands on assignment and got to her first day of work. And someone in their headquarters in the Netherlands got the coronavirus <laughs> and it shut them down for a week and a half. So she gets to work and she can't go to work. Uh, so it, it's it's out there. To what extent is it? You know, the number of people that have actually got it, the number of people have actually died are within a normal range of these types of viruses. So it's not this, you know, it feels like it's kind of an epidemic or it feels like it's a little bit of a panic. But people are talking about it. I mean, where I live, people had rushes on the 
the Costco's and the grocery stores, and they bought up all the toilet paper and paper towels and water, and in the in the event that they might get quarantined, and I, I just find it fascinating that you're going to get toilet paper. That's the first thing you think of when you're actually going to get quarantined is I need toilet paper. Like, okay, I think there's a couple other things that might be more vital to your survival than toilet paper, but you know, to each his own, I guess. Uh, so, so the question came up. Can, can you still play a sport without any fans? Because that's, that was the, that was the other topic that, okay, well, we'll play the games, but we just won't have any fans in the stands. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Why do you have all of these professional leagues? What is the purpose for it? It's, 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 it's called entertainment and that's all it is. It's just you're in the entertainment world. If you're in sports, it's entertainment. Now, there's some other ancillary um, impacts and benefits from actually having sports, but but the bottom line is it's is it's basically uh, it's basically there for entertainment. So you go to a stadium, and there's there's an there's a feeling there. All these people, you hear the roar of the crowd. You can witness the scene kind of thing, you know, from the Foreigner song. You know, you, uh, you put your head to the wall as the whole crowd screamed. And and that's what sports is. is it's the crowd. It's the, it's the experience. It's the atmosphere. It's the intensity of people watching. People have talked to me about what's it like, you know, what's it like to be in front of all those people? It is the biggest rush in the world. It's so cool to be at the center of, of a, a, a circular arena where every person is positioned in the stands to look right onto the field. So all of their focus is on you. And when you're and you're talking about football, you're talking about between 50 and 80, 90,000 people in, in, a, in a stadium, in and, and the pros. College, you, know, you have some over 100. I think you have over 100,000 people. It just seems like there's no one there. It's just so many people. But needless to say, you have this massive crowd of people, tons of people. And, and they're all to see you do something. And you do it, and it's, it's electrifying. I mean, you feel like you are floating in air kind of electricity. Really, it's, it is so powerful. And it does this crazy, it has this crazy impact on your, on your, your life. And so to, to go into a game and not have that, it's almost like what's the point of having the game? I know LeBron James just said, look, I'm, I'm not even gonna, I won't be there. I'm not going to be a part of that. And, and I, you know, I tend to agree with him. I, you know, shorten – I mean, you can shorten basketball seasons. You can shorten baseball seasons if you're really concerned about it. But to just stop the game. Now, you could argue – I mean, most people that go to NFL games today, it's, it's a pretty penny to go to a game. you got to have a serious commitment. But there's more and more people viewing games from different places, whether it's streaming, whether it's on television, whether it's taping it and watching it later. Uh, a lot of people will watch it from home. And and watching it or or a bar or or their local restaurant or whatever, 
and and that's a fun that's a fun thing to do because you you get a part of that atmosphere. But if you're you know if you're at a bar, it's like well we can't go to a bar now because we got coronavirus, so we'll we'll just not watch it or we'll watch it from home and and just sitting there by yourself at home isn't really the same as as being there. But this is a fan sport; it's fan driven. That's why they're that's why it's so popular. That's why. Uh, these salaries are what they are because there's so many people that love to watch it and they love to go to the game and they love to tailgate and they love to cheer for their team and they love to be a part of the crowd and, and be an influence in the game. And to take that all away is really taking a, an essential and critical part of why it even works. So to just have the games without anyone there, I think, I think it's, it's something you, you know, you seriously have to ask yourself about. I mean, if you're just, Look, I understand TV drives everything, right? It just the the popularity, um, it's getting to the masses, and you can do that in no other way through television. It's a powerful media. I get it, but you know, so if you're just if you're just kowtowing to the person who's paying the bills, okay, fine. But really, the sport is is popular because a lot of people go to games and watch. And they have for generations. So to take that away, I think, is a huge mistake. I'm going to take another break to come back. And uh, I guess old man Tom Brady might not be uh, staying there in uh, old New England. I guess after a a rather unusual conversation with his coach, he he actually is uh, maybe contemplating. He's contemplating uh, going elsewhere. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll come right back. Is the old man Tom Brady, and uh, I I really felt that there was not a snowball's chance that he was leaving and going anywhere other than New England, and I can give strong arguments as to why that's a really good thing. It's just really hard. Peyton Manning went to uh, Denver and was able to win a Super Bowl and really win a Super Bowl in spite of himself. The year that he won the Super Bowl there, it wasn't because of Tom Brady. They did enough. They just, they got out of the way enough for their defense to win. And his best years, of course, they didn't win Super Bowls. But he he did go to a couple of Super Bowls while he was out of of Indianapolis. So you you could argue and say, you know, one of the great quarterbacks of all time changing teams, they they were able to succeed. Now, uh, Peyton Manning was actually he was a lot younger when he moved. I mean, Tom Brady's Tom Brady's got two or three years left. That's it. And so, and, and that's plenty. So, if you're a team that's like really close to winning a Super Bowl, you know, Tom Brady is kind of, may, is could be extremely enticing. I mean, extremely enticing. Where you're, you know, if you're a team maybe that isn't, I don't know. Because you look at Joe Montana. Joe Montana went and played in Kansas City for a couple of years. And he wasn't, he wasn't, he was still really good. But he didn't win a Super Bowl. He didn't get all the way. So, um, I believe had Joe Montana stayed in San Francisco for the last part of his year, he, he may have won another Super Bowl. And part of it is just, it's it's so hard. And I know everyone thinks this isn't a big deal, but it's a big deal. I, I know I lived it. 
And I've watched other guys, and they and they have success. I'm not saying you don't. I'm just saying it's hard to really kind of create that continuity you have when you go to a new environment. You're just starting all over again. Now, you, you're starting all over with a lot of, like, um, savvy and a lot of experience and a lot of know-how that you can rely on. You know, you, you, you go, I know how to beat cover two, and I know what play, pass plays work best against it. So, so you understand how to how to t- attack defenses, but you're you're in a new system. You're with new players, and that system and those players talk a different language. And there's a there's a different flow to how they they move and how they operate. And when you're out on the field and things are going 900 miles an hour, uh, you know that relying and trusting that guy's going to be where you expect him to be is just something that has to be built over time. So uh, it's just not as easy as people think. But I think if there's a guy that, you know, might have the best chance of doing it and succeeding, it's Tom Brady. And and I – so he had a conversation with Bill Belichick. And it went kind of like Bill Belichick has conversations with everyone. It's about what is really the very best thing for the New England Patriots. And, he, and, and Bill Belichick, he goes – I don't really care about Tom Brady and the fact that, you know, he's done all this in the past because in our business, it doesn't matter what what's happened in the past has nothing to do with right now. And right now I'm the head coach of the new England Patriots and what's in the best interest of this team today and moving forward is what I have to answer to when I retire and I'm sitting on my boat and I'm hanging out with Tom Brady, he's going to be the greatest thing in the world. And I'm going to have an amazing conversation. But right now, he may not be the best thing for the New England Patriots. So as a as Coach Bilicek, we're not going to have this happy, lovey, touchy, warm conversation. I'm going to be a jerk because you're old, Tom Brady, and I don't care. I don't care what you did for me in the past. It doesn't matter. That's the harsh reality of the NFL. And if you if you can't accept that and if you can't appreciate that, and if you need to be coddled and you need someone to put their arm around you and tell you you are wonderful and you're amazing and you've been a big part of everything that we've done here, it ain't happening. Because he's not dwelling, he meaning Bill Belichick, is not dwelling on what you did for me. He can't. So he's got to say, Tom, you know, the be- okay, you have three years. Wow. And of those three years – if you're how productive you're going to be in those three years, I don't know. And how good are we going to be as a team in those three years? I don't know. But if I if I'm really going to move forward, because I'm there, there there was going to come a time I had to do this. It may be better now than to wait till the very bitter end with you. And you still feel like you got something left, and and we're we're just we're just not seeing eye to eye. And so that conversation was not super warm and friendly. And I, I don't know that you would expect it even had to be. Wouldn't It doesn't hurt my feelings. I don't think less of Bill Belichick because of it. And I don't think, oh, you just disrespected Tom Brady. I think you're just having a real conversation. But I will tell you, I'm thankful you had the conversation. Because for me, it gets really exciting if Tom Brady actually doesn't stay in New England. So thank you, Bill Belichick for giving us something exciting to look forward to next year other than Tom Brady being in New England. So where would be a fun place for Tom Brady to go? 
a lot of people are saying that he's going to go back to San Francisco or, or go there. He's from there. I say go back because he grew up there. And he was a massive Niners fan, and he was a hu- he's a huge Joe Montana fan. So, I mean, if you're talking about a guy that wants to have the ultimate, like, fantasy reality, you know, like these these people that go and they they go to fantasy baseball camp, they're like these executives, or they go to the Richard Petty driving school, and they get to drive in a race car 150 miles an hour around a racetrack, and, and, they, and they have to pay, like, Uber money to do it. I mean, that's what Tom Brady is saying. He says, I, I want to go live my childhood dream of playing for the San Francisco 49ers and being like Joe Montana. And I can see Tom Brady doing that just just because not because he thinks, well, we're going to win, which he which would be great to go there. And there's speculation that Jimmy Garoppolo will actually go back to New England. Because if there's a team ready to win a Super Bowl, it's the San Francisco 49ers. They're ready in every phase except for the quarterback. I mean, the quarterback played good, wasn't great, but he, you know, he was okay. And if you plug in a Tom Brady for the next three years, that that team could that that could legitimately be a massive contender. Now it's a huge risk because the, there's called father time. There's called the football gods, whatever you want to call them. And the more times you step on the field as a player, the more likely you're you're going to get hurt. And Tom Brady has relatively been unscathed in his career, and and he could and this could be that time where Father Time, the football gods, are not kind to you anymore. So it's a massive gamble by the 49ers, and and it's just basically saying they're putting all their chips in. We're all in. Everybody's here. We're going to do it. That'd be fun to watch. <laughs> And the, and the bottom line is there would be a massive amount of pressure because everyone would go, everyone, the team, the organization, Tom Brady would say, okay, we're back to the Super Bowl winning it this year because we got Tom Brady. And and the scrutiny and the pressure, and that may be too much. I don't know. It would be fun to watch, but it, it may be too much for – they may pass on that. I'll tell you another team that may get real excited about Tom Brady, and I think America might possibly – is having Tom Brady as a Dallas Cowboy. Because because Tom Brady's already the guy that everyone hates anyways because he's in New England and he wins all the time. And the team that everyone hates is the Cowboys. You either love the Cowboys or you hate the Cowboys. They're 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 a very polarizing team. So so for Tom Brady to, you know, um have that that kind of, you know, he's he's like the He's like the bad he's the guy that wins all the time and everyone hates the sinister winner guy. And to go to the Dallas Cowboys would make it ten times worse. But man, I'll tell you, it'd be a circus and it would be interesting. I'm not sure the Cowboys are a team that's really ready to win. Right? They they may be close. I'll give you but it would be interesting. Now that changes Dak Prescott, or maybe it doesn't. I don't know. Uh I just I just there's something about Dak Prescott, and I can't put my finger on it. But it just feels like, and people are, you know, they 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 speak highly of him, but it just it just doesn't seem to go anywhere, and and I think what it is is, there are certain positions, and certain teams, that, you just you know when you're when you're um, when you're Dan Marino, and you play for the Miami Dolphins, you're just really good all the time. No, no one ever talks bad about you. 
when you're Brett Favre and you play for the Green Bay Packers, kind of the same thing. And and, and there's the the reality is is there there's some chinks in the armor there. Okay, so like Brett Favre threw a million interceptions and blah 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 blah. And I think another thing is is if you're the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, you just automatically get a pass. It's just one of those positions where people have you know, just kind of um, either you're you're either portrayed as being much much better than you are, or it's someone else's fault. And and a lot of it has to do with Roger Staubach. A lot of it has to do with Troy Aikman. I mean, Danny White was even, you know, he's a guy that people revered, even though they he never won a Super Bowl, but they liked him. Tony Romo is another guy. It's like that Tony Romo was this great, amazing guy who never, ever won, but he was this incredible quarterback, and was he really? But it's just kind of this whole, because he was a Dallas Cowboys quarterback. So it just be, it's and, and Dak Prescott, kind of the same thing. So it would be interesting to see, Tom Brady with the Dallas Cowboys. And, and I got one more for you. The Chicago Bears. I believe the Bears are very close to winning a Super Bowl. And I believe it's a city that, and a media market that would go bananas, bananas for a guy like Tom Brady. And you don't get rid of the young guy, Mitchell Trubisky. You let him learn. You say, you say we're going to bring in a consultant. Uh, a highly paid consultant who's going to be here for the next two or three years, and you're not going to play. You're going to watch, and you're going to be consulted, and you're going to be tutored, and you're going to you're going to be taken to school. And at the end of the day, we're probably going to win one or two Super Bowls, or at least compete. Probably win one, compete for three, and then all of a sudden you're going to go, "Wow, did I did I not get an education?" And then that guy's going to retire, and you're going to come back in. And uh, we'll see. We'll see where things go from that. From that point, you're going to be a high-paid backup quarterback to one of the greatest of all time. And I and I think of all those places, like the the best place to win is San Francisco, and maybe Green, and maybe Chicago. But then there's one more, and and I think this would be fun, just to have him go to the Raiders. And I don't think the Raiders are anywhere close to winning. But I would love to see Tom Brady and John Gruden knock on wood if you're with me, Gruden. I'd just love to see the two of them together. And and and, and I would love to have a hard knocks, but I'd love the hard knocks to be all year. Like and I just and I would love to see just a whole year of Tom Brady and John Gruden together. And I'm telling you, because Tom Brady started a production company, and I think he should produce this. It should be his first production. It's in Las Vegas. It's John Gruden. It's Tom Brady. It's the Raiders. It's their inaugural season in Las Vegas. And it would be it would be epic. Epic. They're not going to win, but it would be great television. And I would tune in to watch. I'm just telling you, it would be worth it. All right, well, that does it for Helmets Off. Uh, this round of Helmets Off is now done. And uh, we are powered by kslsports.com. You can find us on old Facebook and Twitter and all those other good places. Thanks for tuning in. And until then, we'll catch you soon.